Time now for Connecting the Diocese. Connecting the Diocese is a production of the Diocese of La Crosse. Here's host Jack Silsha. Thank you so much for tuning in, Connecting the Diocese, as we begin to emerge from this episode of Freezing Cold. There's so much to look forward to these few weeks. Get ready to rumble. No, 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 I'm not talking about the Super Bowl. That's coming up too. And I, I'm not really even talking about the Puppy Bowl. One of my favorites. I'm talking about the nation's premier cheese contest since 1981 is coming to Green Bay. The United States Championship Cheese Contest features 2,249 entries. I guess if you have Parmesan, you get ready to crumble. Sorry about that. It's coming up February 21st through 23rd in Green Bay, Wisconsin. The winners will be announced live on the internet. So just look up the United States Champion Cheese Contest for 2023 and good luck to all the folks in Wisconsin, especially anybody who is competing from Colby. We'll be back right after this on Connecting the Diocese. With all the news floating around the world, you may have missed this important story. The U.S. Surgeon General says he believes that 13-year-olds should not have access to social media, citing damaging effects the platforms have on their mental health. Most social media platforms, including major ones such as Twitter and Instagram, currently require users to be 13 or older to make an account. And by the way, most sites rely on the honor system to verify age, meaning younger children also can have accounts. The Surgeon General, the nation's top doctor, said, quoting, I personally, based on the data I've seen, believe that 13 is too early. It's a time where it's really important for us to be thoughtful about what's going into how they think about their own self-worth and their relationships, and the skewed and often distorted environment of social media often does a disservice to many of those children. Research published earlier this year indicates that frequent checking of social media can change how adolescent brains develop. The rise of social media has also coincided with the growth of mental health concerns among young people, including issues about body image and anxiety. The Surgeon General acknowledged that it would be difficult to keep children off social media, but said parents should band together to enforce the idea that young teens should stay away from the sites. He says, if parents can band together and say, you know, as a group, we're not going to allow our kids to use social media until 16, 17, or 18, or whatever age they choose, that's a much more effective strategy in making sure your kids don't get exposed to harm early. A very interesting thought from our Surgeon General. There's a Catholic term which I've always enjoyed. It's called the age of innocence. I feel personally that in many ways, corporate interests, online interests, are methodically stealing the age of innocence from our children, so I will check and see whether this story gains any traction in future months. Just being a kid should be a time of fun and not cause for alarm. Well, joining us today, Roberto Partaru. You know, we're recording this, Roberto, on Groundhog Day, a day or so before the show. And Punxsutawney Phil came out, saw his shadow, and they say winter will be six weeks longer. <sighs> oh boy. Now, I know that at Catholic Charities, you plan things based on what Puxatawney Phil has to say, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
Absolutely. (laughs) In in some cases, it feels like you plan on what the weather is going to be like the next day, let alone anything else around here. This has been brutal. Uh, This this weather these past couple of weeks has been brutal. Uh, As we speak now, in my neck of the woods, the low tonight, uh, this is probably the last blast for now, I hope, uh, is going to be 14 below zero tonight where I am. Uh, it will be. Yeah. yeah, and we've had mornings I've gotten up. It's three above. It was like three below during the night. Um, I am trying to disassemble a now defective range, which is a stove, which is in my garage, because it's hard to get this huge thing to the uh, to the recycling center in one piece. And so I've been out working in my garage with a screwdriver, literally taking this thing apart piece by piece. And the garage is so cold that after 25 minutes of, of unscrewing screws on this thing, I have to get back inside. And I, I have an inside to get to <laughs> because I have a house, you know. And, and you walk in and it feels like it's so warm inside compared to my hands turning kind of red from the cold, you know, because it's, it's probably 22 degrees or, or colder in the garage while it's three degrees outside. Um, it just makes you think about all these people who are out there that you keep trying to reach. Uh, there has just been so much going on in the greater La Crosse area. There have been some sh- shelters that don't normally open for warming during the day have been opening up because it's so darn cold. Yeah. We've been uh, not not exactly at capacity, but almost at full capacity in, in, in our shelter here in La Crosse. But in all, in all our shelters, we have shelters... Uh, in, in the Sojourner House in Eau Claire, we have in Warsaw, we just opened up in November our, our campus, the Partners Campus, uh, which is a new building, it's a fantastic building, a new, beautiful new facility. Uh, we are at capacity there as well, but we have more room. I mean, we have more room to for people to come in. And also we are, we are providing day services with some partners in the city in Eau Claire, and we are operating that. We are also working in, in Wausau with the open door so that we are providing day services. In partnership, we are helping out uh, the individuals. Here in La Crosse, the city for a couple of days opened up a center uh, for, for, for day shelter because it's just been too cold. It's been so. too cold. Yeah, even tomorrow, uh, uh, this will already be passed by, by people here on Saturday, but uh, it, the high will be five degrees. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, that's just not sustainable. I mean, you just can't stay out in that. I don't care how much clothing you put on, uh, you know, practically Arctic wear you have to have. It was nice to see that, especially in the, the greater La Crosse area, when they announced that they were opening the uh, the centers uh, during the daytime, which they didn't normally do, these are the city-run um, things, that uh, Catholic Charities and Salvation Army said, we, we're, we're okay at night. We're doing fine with night. Yeah. Uh, that's, that speaks volumes for how much work you have done to get the word out that there's a place to go. Yes, we have a safe place to go. It's a warm place. I mean, they, they are able to take a shower. They're able to do their laundry. They, we serve them a meal at night. They can sleep in, in, in a warm bed, and they have breakfast in the morning. And you have to remember as well that not everybody that is homeless doesn't doesn't have family. Some some members have families. And when this this cold, friends and family also come together, which is the best of all options, that they are able to go to a friend's home or go to a to a family 
uh, member's home and stay there for the night uh, when, when it's this cold. So we have not had ex, uh, you know, people that we had to refuse simply because we don't have a space. We do have it. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's very good. We are experiencing what appears to be, I mean, I'm, again, I only look at the, I, I only know what I read in the paper or online, but it seems like wherever you look, and I don't just mean La Crosse or even the Diocese of La Crosse, but everywhere, Portland, Los Angeles, Minneapolis, uh, Milwaukee, wherever you look, it seems like homeless encampments are are popping up like mushrooms. You know, they're on the, in places like Portland, they're literally on the sides of streets as you go by. They're in public parks. And years ago, we, we did not see this. You might have found, uh, you know, somebody uh, sleeping on a park bench or something like that. But we're, we're seeing these things that are, are just um, getting larger and, and they're more permanent because they've really built up some infrastructure there of sorts. It is by no means anything that you would want to live in. But I also noticed that in several instances in different parts of the country, things have gotten rough enough that uh, they've had to, to literally clear them out. And uh, yeah. I, I was reading that, uh, that one of the things they have is a special group that has to go through and just pick up hypodermic needles. And I was yeah. sitting, and there are kids living in these places. There are people getting shot occasionally in these places. Violence is occurring. Whenever you have tent cities that, as they are being built around the country, you're actually attracting the worst of the worst. So you're attracting drug dealers that prey on the on the homeless. The homeless becomes many times the victims. So because, you know, some of them, from, uh, the re I, again, we have to discuss the reasons for being homeless. And there are many. I mean, each each individual is a world of its own. They have the reasons for why he or she is homeless are many. And they are very different from person to person. So... In, when you bring them together and and they they create a, a, a tent city with no no controls and no safeguards and no security, you have individuals that, that are bad apples and they prey on them and they try to push their drugs. So and I'm not, I don't like to talk about politics, but drugs is it, it is. Everywhere now, yeah. everywhere, and the, the population are, that are getting, becoming drug addicts are getting younger and younger, and we are seeing more young people in situations with, with addictions that are, we haven't seen before. So drugs is a real danger and a real problem in, in, in our society. There's a, you know... I, I'm not. I am not a drug user, thank goodness. So, uh, the, the most recent uh, experience with uh, any kind of drug like that, not not recreationally, <laughs> was um, several years ago when I had. A, I think it was a kidney stone. I, I had somehow gotten one. I've never had one in my life, and it re my wife rushed me to this clinic in nearby, and you know, I was kind of. I was doubled over in pain. I mean, the, the the doctor was kind of laughing at me. He goes, Jack. There's about four things men can experience that are really painful. You got one of them, <laughs> and, and you know, and, and this is just before they gave me a shot of something. I have no idea what it was, and within ten seconds or less, I felt really good. Pain was gone. I felt relaxed. It was just like, wow, this is really nice. But the thing is, is that I didn't think, gee, I want to get more of it. 
you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> I knew better. Uh, but I can understand where if you are in total despair, if everything in your life has crumbled, if your job has been lost, if, if you're, all the horrible things that can happen, and you're sitting in a tent and it's getting cold, yeah, I can understand why the allure of taking a pill or taking drugs or taking THC gummies or whatever the current vague distribution system is offering now, why it's attractive to you to escape, to escape despair. But as people said from the uh, the Cooley region on addiction, the people are always chasing that first high. You know, yeah. uh, the second, as if I was going to get a second shot for that, I didn't need it, but uh, it, it would not have been as amazing as the first one. And it yeah. does, it, it spirals downward. It just spirals down. And so I mentioned this because you folks at Catholic Charities have to deal with total compassion, Christ-like compassion, where you can see people who have made the worst mistakes in their lives or are victims of circumstances that are totally outside their control. And other people will point fingers. They'll say, well, one guy was writing into the one of the online papers going, look, there's all these job openings. Why don't these people just get jobs? I wish it was that easy. Exactly. I, mean, I wish it, yeah. the situation yeah. was, why don't we get housing for them? I mean, that's another subject. Why don't we just put them in a house? It doesn't work that way. Yeah. I mean, individuals have to be ready. It, when you... When you work with people, you have to take them as they come, as they are. In the city. And many of them have mental illness. Many of them have, I mean, people are people. And, and situations are, are different in, in every single case. And you have to deal with the situation uh, and the person in its entirety. Yeah. And it just takes time and it takes years of work. I mean, providing a house is the, the easy thing. The, the, the hard thing is to have the person grow to become self-sufficient or community-sufficient, which I think is a much better term. Mm -hmm. So it's like he, he can be part of the community that will support him. Right, yeah. And for, 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 for the homeless, their community are the homeless because they understand what they're going through. They experience many of experience the same type of situation and discrimination, marginalization, and, and yeah. they need, they, they, they need their help. They need their support. You folks have been doing this for many, many years. There's there's no situation that you can encounter now that you have not dealt with in the past. Uh, pretty much. Pretty, I, I mean, come we've, on. We've, almost seen it, we've seen it all. Yeah, we've seen pretty much. <laughs> we've seen it all. I, I think that the, the, the nature of the drugs are changing. Uh, the, you know, the fentanyl yes. is, is getting into stuff that the... Uh, and the amazing thing is, is that they're, the people who are pushing these drugs, uh, they really don't care what happens to you. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, all. these are drug traffickers and these are bad apples. Yeah, I mean, yeah. these are, are people that, and, and you know, that we need to do something. Yeah, and so they can mix some fentanyl in with something else, uh, even though if you take too much of it, it will kill you. Um, I'm concerned, for example, now, this has been big celebration among the people who are interested in using so-called recreational drugs, that, that the THC gummies, candies, are now legal in, in many states, and you can take one of these and get hired in a kite. Uh, there are concerns. Already there have been, like I think, 1,300 cases of little children taking these candies and eating them and ending up in the emergency room. But sooner or later, I'm just guessing this, that, that the bad guys 
are going to say, well, you know, all we got to do is buy a machine to make gummies and just put fentanyl in it. They and they do it. They don't care. I mean, no, they don't. And and the thing is that they prey on these individuals. That's why uh, allowing 10 cities to happen, it's a mistake. Yeah. Because they, they, these bad apples, these dark drug traffickers are going to be preying on them. Yeah. It's their business. And they, they've got an almost endless supply of people who buy we have the opioid epidemic going on. People, are, there are right. now fake opioid pills. They look just like the kind that you would get from a, a drugstore prescription or whatever the case may be. But they don't have the opioids in them. They have fentanyl in them. They just look yeah. like the real thing. And you take one or two of those, it's who knows what will happen. And so this is the kind of thing that we're dealing with is spiraling along. Um, again, the reason we're talking about this is that it's so easy to just paint with a broad brush and just say, oh, these people, uh, they're never going to change. And, and the thing is, you have seen change. You have seen wonderful things. Did you not tell me that there are people who, for economic reasons, uh, they're, they're staying at the warming shelter and at the same time they're holding down jobs? I mean, many. I, I, was, I was in Warsaw last night and uh, we were inaugurating the CPC, the 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 campus, the, the community partners campus that we're, we have our house now. Um, and I was talking to one of the gentlemen, one of our guests at, uh, at the warming center, and he has a job. He gets up at 5 o'clock in the morning to get to his job, and he goes and sleep in the, at the shelter, and he doesn't finish until 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock at night when he comes into our shelter. And he just cannot afford the rent and they would because of uh, past uh, issues that he couldn't uh, he was evicted or he, nobody will rent to him so we're trying to f help him find a house right now and find an apartment but it's not that easy because there's a, a tremendous shortage there's uh, prices have skyrocketed rents have gone out of uh, out of out of uh, reach for many of the individuals so we have whole families now that we're trying to help that cannot find a, a house to 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 be in, and, and these are children, and and uh, and um, what do you do? Yeah, I, you know they can't afford it. They they ha they have a job. They have everything that you think that they will have. They they will it will be sufficient, but it's not. They're playing by all the rules. I mean, and yeah, by the but they never they they will never make it. The rules are catching up to them. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. And uh, the wonderful thing is, is that now had this person not been able to stay at the shelter where there are washing machines and showers and all these things and food, uh, they wouldn't be able to hold down that job because they couldn't go back to work the next day looking totally disheveled, wearing the same clothes they had on the day before. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, we are, the shelter is, it's the next worst thing uh, or, or the next better thing, uh, you know, from being homeless or, be, or being on the street. The shelter is not a solution, but it's, it saves lives. Yeah. It keeps them warm. It provides them with, with a meal and, and provides them with a place where they can do their laundry and they can relax and, 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 and be calm. It's definitely not a solution. Right. The solution is housing. Housing. I just was reading a story today. The uh, the Boeing 747 jumbo jet has been put out to the great junkyard in the sky. Uh, uh, and these are, big. these are big. People are buying 747s. They're taking the wings off them and all this stuff. 
and they're converting them into houses. You know, they buy a piece of property. They have the 747 yeah. uh, carcass, the, the main piece of it, you know, dropped off. <laughs> and uh, they've already got electrical connections and they've got, you know, and they're converting them into homes. Isn't that insane? Got lots of windows, but uh, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, it just goes to show you what what extremes people are going to. Um, I never would have thought of that, and of course, it's it's not cheap. I mean, the average person can't just go buy a seven forty seven. The the even though it's a, it's just scrap metal, the uh, the cost of shipping the, the the main fuselage to wherever you are is quite expensive. Yeah. But still, if you have a piece of property and you you know, it, people are doing it. Is that crazy out there that people are? Doing are doing that to try to try to yeah. get by. Um, there are mini homes or micro homes projects going on. The people are designers are trying to come up with extremely inexpensive basic structures that people can live in because it's just uh, everything is finding a place to live. We had three or four families in our area. Uh, there was a fire just before Christmas and right above the hardware store, and their apartments were totally destroyed. They lost everything they owned. And uh, the community is coming together to help them as best they can with clothing and money and, and everything because, you know, they're, this community is kind of like family. But the one thing they can't do is they can't just build them a house or find an apartment because there's nothing out there. So they're staying with friends or staying with relatives or couch surfing. They're doing all those things. There's just no place to go. It's amazing. It is you know, it, it has gotten out of hand. The prices of homes, I mean, has gone much, has grown much more than than the value than the, the the salaries that people make. So people cannot afford to 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 own a house or to rent a house. Uh, so there is a definite definitely economic challenge that that we need to as a nation we need to face. And I I don't think it's just in the United States. It's um, as you can tell from my accent, I, I'm, I'm from, from from South America. It's the same situation is happening there. What I see in the states, though, is that we are experiencing uh, something that South America is experiencing for a long time. So you already know the the signs when you see them. Yeah. 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 Now you mentioned Wausau, and you have a project that you say was inaugurated uh, yesterday, that where you are have a, a combined. Uh, physical presence where you are co-working with other agencies and all that. Can you tell us more about what that is? Yes, it's the CPC, the Com Com Community Partners Campus. It's a beautiful building. It's a $6.5 million investment that uh, Kevin Noyle and Brian Gumnes, the two lead leading entrepreneurs in, 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 in Wausau, they created a 501c and they raised the funds and they contacted us and uh, and uh, Catholic charities and and uh, other nonprofits in the area, uh, the food pantry and and many some of the other, the free free clinic and other nonprofits that we offer services for the homeless and for for the marginalized. So seven agencies are now working together under one roof, and we, the building was inaugurated uh, yesterday. Um, you know, the lieutenant governor was there. We had a, an open open house that the community were there. And I think I must have seen about 700 individuals walking through and asking questions. Every, the whole community turned out to see it. it. It's just a wonderful idea. And it's not an idea, it's a reality now. 
and it just works beautifully because we've been operating that in that building since November of this year and all of our difference the free clinic the food pantry the mental health clinic they're being there the county has an office there as well to provide services and, and workforce development so the the, the our guest in 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 that comes to the warming center spends the night with us during the day he can go to receive services i mean he's if he's sick there's a free clinic if he's got mental issues he's got a free mental health care if if he's um, needs f f uh, food there's a f the food pantry for 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 him or he and his family uh, so we can provide the services that are much needed and do the case management and work with getting them housing. So that's the goal. It's a comprehensive solution and with wraparound services for all the individuals. And it's all in one so, place because one of the problems, if you are unsheltered, if you are homeless, um, chances are you don't have a car. Because you, you know, you can't. That costs a ton of money to run one of those things, uh, and you physically can't always get all over town to take care of all the services that maybe you need. So this way, you go over there, and you know, while you're there, if there's some problem you're having, or if there's a solution that that the folks at Catholic Charities or others recognize, they can say, "Hey, why don't you go over here and talk to these folks?" And it's right there. Which is really nice. Exactly. Yeah, it's really nice. Exactly. There's a. Yeah, it's all. There are no silos. It's all in one building, and and it's it's in the bus route. So there's a bus stop right right next to us. So people can come without any problem. It's in in, in an area that is accessible to everybody. Well, well, when the weather gets better, I'm going to have to try driving up there and taking a look and see what that. Maybe we could do a couple of remote things from up there. Uh, you know, people listen to this, and I can guarantee you. Somewhere there's someone listening saying, why are these people getting all this stuff for free? And I'm reminded of the saying, when the people complain about how much education costs, they say the only thing that's more expensive than education is ignorance or lack yeah. of education. If you don't do this, if you don't help people right at the root where they are, they'll be ending up dealing with police, there'll be legal problems, there'll be all kinds of attorneys involved, there'll be jails it's kind of like basically do you want to spend money now to solve a problem or do you want to try to spend a lot more money later to contain a problem? I think we need to start from the beginning. Everybody, I don't care who you are, everybody in your lifetime, you need help at one point or another. We all go through problems, personal, family problems, individual problems, different types of health problems, labor problems, we all face situations in life that we need somebody's assistance, we need help. So it's not true that we are, I can manage everything on my own. We manage everything because we have connections, we have families, we have friends that help us get through these this situations. So in, in, when we live in a community, we depend on the community that we live in. And some members of the community are more need than others. Thank God. God made everybody very smart, but some some individuals sometimes lack common sense. I mean, we all have a family member that has no common sense whatsoever, and we all laugh about it. But we support him, we we him or her, we we love him or her, and we put up with him or her. Well, some families have sh short tempers, and 
and they kick them out of the house. And when a, a teenager is kicked out of the house and grows up in the street with no with no parental guidance, or the parents are are a bad example, as I get to see many times that the the, the person the kid has to take in away and put into foster care and goes from one house to the next, and he end up he end, ends up in the street. Well, that's what he learns. He learns the street talk. He learns the street uh, habits. So he never grows up in a in a situation where he's taught uh, or taught properly. He, he and and he learns the street values. Yeah. They learn to react. Well, they learn to react to the immediacy of what the first problem is. You have mentioned in the past that uh, a person who is without a home, without shelter. They don't have time to think a lot about down the road, this or that or the other, because where am I going to sleep tonight? Where am I going to get food tonight? Where can I go where it's safe tonight? You know, this takes and up so much of their how time. Can I get out of, how can I get out of the cold? Yeah. I'm freezing to death. So he or she thinks five minutes ahead. Yeah. He, doesn't, he doesn't have time for planning the future and looking at our, our 401k. Yeah, and, and so, it's, yeah. for us, you know, for us, it is comparatively, it's a luxury to be able to think ahead. Yes, you know, I, I had. I'm going in for my second shingles shot, <laughs> which is <laughs> for some people, uh, they say the second one that you get will knock you off your perch a little bit. You know, uh, the, the first <laughs> one is not so bad. The second one could could make you feel a little off, but it, it beats shingles. Trust me. Um, yes. But I have to plan ahead as to I, I, we're finally we're ahead getting ahead of time on, on having guests here. And next week, I have an opening for a couple of days where I can get the shot. And if it makes me feel not so good for a day, it doesn't impede my work. But I've had a chance to think about that. Right. And that's a luxury. It's a luxury that I have time to look ahead and say, I've got two days here, Thursday and Friday, where, boy, if I just want to lie down on the couch because I don't feel good, I can do it. And, you know, we, everyone takes that for granted. They, they look ahead. they got vacations coming up. they got days off coming up. You know, we have a holiday coming up, this, that, and the other. Uh, you make plans ahead. And imagine if you couldn't make plans ahead, if you absolutely, every single day was completely uncertain. You had no idea what was around the next corner that you walked. That would, you would have, it would demoralize you. It would crush you. And and the thing is that we, let's say we provide that time that for the person to think and we give him a house, but we never taught him how to think. We never taught him what's right and wrong. We never taught him or her what the, you know? What are the laws say, or, or the consequences of their actions? They they react to situations rather than looking at the consequences of their actions, yeah. because they were never taught. They were never formed. Uh, we all talk in in education. We talk about integral formation, where we form the spirit of the person, we form the int intellect of the person, we form the moral, the values of the person. All that is formation. That formation. Many individuals are are, are that's what they learn on the street. They learn to react to situations, and they some reactions are violent. Some reactions, so they get into trouble. Some reactions is, are I gotta take this and I and I take it because I want it. So they steal. 
it is we we as a as a society we have to really look back at how we're educating how we're supporting our families the first educator is the family is a father and a mother yeah. that's the first educator there there a child will be filled with something and if the traditional um, mom dad kind of information that many of us have grown up with uh, if that isn't there something else will fill it Exactly. And this is a real trick. We have Catholic schools week going on. Uh, we're finding that uh, there's so much education beyond reading, writing, and arithmetic, as I used to say, that makes up um, a really well-rounded high school education. You know, music and art and theater and history and culture and these things, at the, at maybe at the very beginning, I mean, don't seem like they're that important. But who would have thought that my uh, my high school music teacher, who was a great showman and performance value kind of character, would have influenced me for the rest of my life and everything I did? You know, and yeah. and you take away that experience, or let let art or culture or just uh, everything you can think of. Um, it, it's wonderful to be able to read and write, and by golly. You should do that. <laughs> they should be pushing the fact. Can you? You should graduate from high school being able to really be able to read, and being able to write. It's very important. But the other things that fill in are kind of like the the spice of a of a meal that makes it more interesting, and um, we need to really do that. And that's why, especially during Catholic Schools Week, we talk about all the extra things that these Catholic schools provide, uh, which makes for a better, well-rounded person as they as they grow up. It's a very important. Absolutely. But if you got someone who is literally disadvantaged, they did the they don't have the advantages that a lot of us have. They miss out on all that stuff, and it can be put into place later. But it's just so much more difficult. And this is the kind of thing you have to deal with a lot. You have to change habits. I mean, we we learn by create we create habits in our lives, and if we have good habits, we have virtues. If we have bad habits, we have vices. So, and also we have to remember that a, a person is both body and soul. So we don't only have to worry about the physical aspect of the person, you know, keeping warm, the food, and we, we also have to look at his spiritual. And the spiritual is, the, is much more important because it's, it is where you're, you, you grow in faith. And if you don't believe in something, you're... You don't have anything. You don't have hope. Right. You ha- you have to believe in something to 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 carry you forward, to carry you on, and to be, and many of the individuals that you find in the street and uh, with drug addictions and other things, they've lost hope. Yeah, and also one of the things that one of your partners uh, you partner with frequently, Salvation Army, they they've long since said, yeah, we are interested in the person's spiritual development, uh, but. Before we can even get to that, we have to get them their physical needs taken care of. Correct. And uh, absolutely right. And this is something that uh, because you are integrated with more parts of the Catholic Church, you you deal with everything is it's all works as a a, a large organization. Uh, again, first you want to get them out of the cold, then you want to get them healthy, then you want to deal Correct. with what is causing the problems they're having. Uh, and then maybe eventually you'll get them housed. And then after that, maybe they can start thinking about some things in their personal lives. And maybe eventually, you know, maybe someday they'll just say, thank you, God. 
and that's the beginning of their spiritual life. Uh, it, it's it's really a long haul, and you are de- you're dealing with it every single day. How are you doing on volunteers, by the way? I should be asking you that as well. We're doing well, thank God. I mean, there, after the COVID, it was just very tough. We lost many of our our volunteers because of the danger, and and I guess everybody was scared. But they are coming back, and thank God. We, we depend so much on volunteers that uh, thank God we're, they're they're coming back. But we need more. I mean, we we could not do the work we do without our volunteers. I mean, that's definitely. When a person comes to you and says, "I want to be a volunteer," what's what's the first thing you tell them when people have probably no idea of what the job entails? We first ask them, "What would you like to do?" I mean, what experience do you have? What what are your talents? And, and and what what do you want to do? Some some volunteers we have volunteers here at, at at the main office, receptionists, for example. They answer the 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 phone, they uh, do the mail, distribute the mail. They they do many of the administrative tasks, and that saves us a lot of money. But as well as well, it helps us a lot because these are individuals that are that do this because they care. They they love Catholic charities. They love to help and they love to assist. So but they couldn't work in a in a in a homeless shelter, for example. If you ask one of our, our volunteers here at, at 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 the main office to work in a homeless shelter just they couldn't work. But some other volunteers that's exactly what they want to do. I was talking to one man last uh, yesterday. He's a former policeman, and uh, he, and he's uh, uh, now living in the, in the Warsaw area. And his passion is to work with street people. So he has twenty some years of experience in working with street people, and he wants to get back in working with street people because. I mean that that's where his talents are that's where his heart is and he understands when somebody is an alcoholic or is a, is a drug addict or or has lost hope i mean we ended up speaking primarily about the importance of of hope the importance of having faith in 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 someone because it's not just something it's someone that you know who that cares about you, that loves you, that that protects you, that you can depend on him, and that's Christ. And and and, and we don't have to use words to show that love. We we do it by in, in action. I mean, we our goal at Catholic Charities is, is to have love as an action, and 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 show our love in action. And that is by taking care, treating them with dignity and respect, loving them by providing them the, the basic needs, but also by listening, not necessarily talking, by listening mm-hmm. and look at what they their demands are. Well, a few weeks from now, around the 22nd of February, Lent begins, and there'll be an awful lot of time talking about uh, the, the years of ministry of Jesus. Uh, you know, this is all part of the Lenten experience. And yeah. you, people will notice that he spent an awful lot of time with street people. 
dining with them, staying with their with them, talking with them. And he wasn't talking to the uh, the folks with the uh, you know the gold rings on and and uh, you know the Pharisees and all that. He wasn't particularly pleased with them. But he spent an awful lot of time with you know back then a taxpayer or pardon me, a tax collector, <laughs> excuse me, uh, was really despised uh, because yeah. apparently the tax collectors back then were always on the take. You know, they were always getting bribes. They were basically uh, really not the nicest people in the world. And uh, uh, he, he, you know, there, there's, what is he doing eating with it? He's eating with a tax collector, <laughs> you know? And that yeah. would be kind of like you saying, well, what is he doing? He's, he's talking to a guy who had a history of dealing drugs. Well, you know, the object of the game is to get the person to change their ways. And um, this is partly what you do. But it takes a special kind of person to be able to just sit and listen to somebody. Uh, you have said in the past that one of the, I guess, complaints that a person who is homeless or unsheltered has is that they feel like they're invisible. No one sees yes. them. And uh, it's, it's such a... Um, <clears throat> It's an extension of a larger thing where, where you've got people who are working really hard and sometimes at menial jobs. They don't, no one ever says, gee, thank you for the good job you're doing. It's really important that you're here and I, I really appreciate you helping out. They look like, what? You notice I'm real. I'm not just a cog. These people are even further removed from that. They're sitting there on a bench someplace where they're just you know, camped out you know, with a with a big knapsack and a you know and a bunch of stuff wrapped around them and things like that, and people don't even know how to talk to them, and so you have people yeah. in the shelters who either naturally or by training have certain have learned how, and of course you also give guidelines as to how to deal with people, don't you? Correct. We do. We provide training, and we, you know we we. We know how to work with individuals. We we have the experience, so we have staff that are, have been trained, and we we give we train our volunteers. and And it's not it's not easy, but it's not that hard. It's being a human being talking to another human being and learning how to how to connect, how to listen, how to care, how to show empathy, how to show respect, and and that's it's. Simply, that's what everybody wants. Is they want to be treated with dignity and respect, and they want to be listened to. My wife has been reading a new book that came out with the simple title, Quit. <laughs> and uh, it's really a, it's stories of people who don't know when to quit what they're doing. Um, you know, they, there's a, a situation where the person does not like the work they're in. They really, uh, the whole thing is just awful. It's a ter- they, they're not happy. And they would love to work and another job, which is an availability, and but they just can't get the inertia to, to, to change. And they, they go through a right. process where they talk to them, so, okay, six months from now, are you still going to be unhappy with the job you're doing? Oh, yeah, it's terrible. All right, six months from now at this job, do you think you'll be happy? Oh, yeah, I will be. Well, <laughs> quit. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. It's not as simple as that, but people hang on to things because they can't imagine something different that's going to work out for them. And I think that uh, a lot of times uh, you've got people who are living in a tent with no bathroom facilities, no heat to speak of. There's all this stuff going on around them. And it's difficult for them to imagine the energy to get out of that and do it. And you have to kind of counsel them and talk to them and suggest things, don't you? Absolutely. I mean, 
if they have a tent, that's all they have. That's that's their safe space. That's their security. It's that one tent, I mean, or their their one backpack. I remember a case at at, uh, at the shelter here in across. A, a lady came and we asked her to put her backpack away. That's what we we always tell them that they they put their backpack in a safe place. We put them in a, in a tote, and then they can we provide them with a. Uh, clothing and they take a shower and cl- well she wouldn't get you know she did not want to give the backpack and we said well you have to because of our safety reasons and security reasons we need to put that away and she said no no I, I, I leave it was her home yeah. the backpack she had a, a situation where the backpack was her home it, it was just uh, we 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 ended up searching the backpack. We made sure that she didn't have anything uh, illegal, and then we let let her keep yeah. it because he was he was so. We have to understand where they come from. Yeah, and for some of these people in that backpack, they could have the most precious photos in the world, and they're afraid yeah. that if someone steals their backpack, they're going to lose it. Exactly. Able, to them, to them, losing their backpack is like it's having a life. house fire. Yeah, you know, it's exactly, exactly. And, and this is the kind of see the reason we're talking about this in part is for getting to, getting people to think about this and not just pay just to a generality that what is that backpack to that person? That is their life. That is their history. That could be photos exactly. of their family, and it's precious to them. It it could be nothing. Yeah. It could be just the backpack, but it's her life. Mm-hmm. It's all she has. Yeah. yeah, and so you you know there was a picture of a lady who again was living in a tent. And she had gotten a hold of some uh, pallets, and she had made up this little thing where she had planted um, flowers and things like that. To her, that was her garden. And sure, yeah. would she rather have a house with a real garden in the back? Absolutely. Would she rather have even an apartment with a garden box that she could tend to? She's trying to duplicate the life that she would like to have in a situation that is not tenable. Correct. And uh, you're a jail. The thing is also, and we've mentioned this before, Catholic Charities is what were well, the nation's leading, the USA, Catholic Charities USA, leading providers of low cost housing. Yeah. yeah. We provide more than 35, over 35,000 units. That's the, again, there are 167 Catholic Charities in the United States. We're all independent. We're all. Uh, report to our own bishop, so and our, our board of directors. So, Catholic Charities USA is the entity that kind of gathers all of us together. But we we make decisions independently and we work independently with our bishop. But if you add all the Catholic charities in the, in the United States, we provide over nine billion dollars worth of of, of of services. And we serve uh, over 17 million people, and in in all with all the that we provide 35,000 units of of houses for for the for the homeless. So it's we are. I understand. I think is we're the second largest provider of social services after the government. Right. Yeah. And also, and you know, we mention this every time, and it's it's kind of almost a cliche, but for new people listening. You don't have to be Catholic to be served by Catholic charities. And I have another one for you. Yes. Like it or not, we're all Catholics. Like Because Catholic means universal. And we're all part of this one planet 
created by the same God. So if you like it or not, you're Catholic. <laughs> that's, that's good, yeah. Also, now, we're a little bit away from this, but I get worried about this, and I know you are already thinking about it. Come April 15th, uh, people, during the winter, the, the utilities cannot turn off your power because you'll freeze. And what right. happens is, and it's perfectly natural, you got somebody who is just getting behind, they don't have a good job, they've lost another job, or whatever the case may be, and they got to pay their rent or they got to buy food or whatever they medical. Uh, and so they skip paying their heating bill or their electric bill. And electric bills have gone up. I used to pay about a hundred bucks a month on electric. I'm paying two twenty now, at least. They've gone up dramatically oh, because yeah. the cost of fuel to run the electricity, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, the point is, is that so one month they skip the power bill. Well, let's just say it's two hundred bucks. Well, there's two hundred bucks they're going to have to pay. Next month, something else happens. And they go, oh, I'm going to skip that one too. Now they owe $400. Well, this keeps going until April 15th comes along. And the power company says, well, you now owe $1,200. Uh, you've got to pay it or else we're going to turn off your power. If you find yourself in that situation, if you have been skipping payments, this is a really good time to get hold of Catholic Charities. Uh, they're not going to pay your yeah. bill for you. I mean, they'll try to help as much as they can, but they will negotiate with the power company to keep the lights on. Correct. I mean, you're speaking of our St. Lawrence program. Just to give you some an idea of what a St. Lawrence program has achieved this past year, we assess over 3,400 individuals provided in financial assessment. We assisted with over $150,000 and in direct aid and over $150,000 in in goods and services and in, in other uh, goods. So uh, we provided over $300,000 in direct aid to, to families. And and we, we help because we do case management with individuals. We help place over 78 families and individuals into permanent housing. And this was just this past year. So... That's the kind of work, and we, if you come to us and, and provide us with your bills, and you, you mentioned to, we don't have the money to pay the utilities, can you help us? We will. We will help you pay the bills, but we will, we will work with you to learn how to work within the budget and prioritize uh, that, that budget. So, Yeah, that's one of the features that's really neat, is that it, they'll help you figure out where you're messing up, basically, and and you know, wh and why are you spending all this much money for this thing over here, a cable bill, when actually you really need to spend it over here for your power bill? There are certain things Correct. you can reduce, shift around. You know, just get a TV with an antenna and look at that instead, um, because you really can't afford this uh, kind of thing. Um, it's basic stuff that some people cannot do. I, you know, I think I've told you before. I have not used an ATM machine since 1984. <laughs> because originally I could probably take care of it now, but back in the day when ATMs were new, you know, I did pay. I got some money out and I didn't write down I, the kind of stuff like that. I was an idiot, but uh, uh, people are like that. They, they, they're not necessarily fiscally responsible, or they just don't have their math skills to, to balance their checkbook or whatever the case may right. be. And so you help with those things as well as maybe keeping the lights on for them. But this is not too soon to start. And in addition to that. I start mentioning about this early. I mean, heck, we're only in February because you also seek funds from people who can help to support this program. 
Correct. And so if you, were, if you want to help people who find themselves just stuck on April 15th and the power is getting turned off, Catholic Charities can help, but Catholic Charities can also use your help. Uh, you guys are very efficient. You talked about all the volunteers that help save money. Uh, you, you, your credit counseling is not one of these things you hear on on radio stations where they go, you know, if you owe this much money to uh, come here and we'll we'll teach you how to, uh, we'll, you know, we'll, un, we'll get rid of your debt for you. Doesn't work that way. And also they charge you for that. So um, just go to Catholic Charities, just uh, cclse.org and. Uh, also, there's a place where you can donate. If you want to say, you know, um, what Roberto's talking about, we, we, we didn't really think about how how much work it is and how much difference there is from individual to individual. So maybe we can throw them a little bit of money so they can help out. And uh, you can go to cclse.org and they will uh, Correct. Take, they'll take your money. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, uh, we will, I mean, we will thank you for your for and look at it as an investment because you're investing in your in your community. Yeah, they're in, you're investing so in your neighbors. Funds, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and also for those of us who have not been in those dire straits, um, uh, we should be given thanks to God for our good fortune, and maybe one way of showing thanks for the fact that we are not stuck like that is to help contribute a little bit to help those who for whatever reason there are there are veterans with post-traumatic stress there are people who were just walking along minding their own business and they lost their job because of you know corporate mergers or what and it, it could happen to almost anybody at any time um, a phenomenal yeah. number of people who are one check away from having real real problems and uh, this is what catholic yeah. charities is here for to help out so if you are even sensing you're moving in that direction call them contact them now don't wait till things are really really rough before you go over there and uh, they'll help right. uh, it's, it's this is one of the reasons why we have you on periodically to, to do an update because every every season's got different challenges right now it's too cold yeah. later on it'll be too hot um, you know we got the power out of the cutoffs coming up uh, there's always something going on with you folks and it's and it you just have to keep doing it and you just keep doing it it's amazing to and very uplifting to, to see um, the other folks who are dealing with Catholic charities, you know, from other departments in the diocese and outside the diocese, speak so highly of how wonderful it is that all this is going on. You were working with Afghan refugees. Uh, you're now working with the Ukrainian situation. Um, it doesn't end, and it's, it's just, it's wonderful to see it being done. It makes me very proud to be able to even talk with you folks, let alone <laughs> do anything else. It's really good. But, but it, it, it is... It is all of us. It's the community in in Wausau, in La Crosse, in, in Eau Claire. I mean, in Wisconsin, we are a community. We need to help each other. And the work we do, we do it because you do it. It's not just us. It's we as a community are all chipping in and helping. So we, it is I who have to thank everybody and all our listeners uh, because thank you for your help. Well, I want to, we couldn't do it without you. I want to close with a quick, quick little story for you. Uh, I was looking at some clickbait thing on, on the internet, you know, when these deals were, oh, here's funny things. This was funny answers to test questions by elementary school students. Okay. And most of them are pretty funny. I get the one where it was a really basic, like sixth grade science question. And it was like, 
what's the hardest mineral on Earth? And the answer would be diamond. Uh, what liquid is the most prevalent on Earth? And the answer was water. What is the most powerful force on Earth? And this kid writes, love. Wonderful. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a scientific answer. answer, but by golly, I would have given that kid an A. <laughs> it was so and nice. he's absolutely right. Yeah. He's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it, was a, it was a great, great answer. I kind of, yeah, that kid's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Those are the kind of morals that we need to teach. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's a wonderful thing to see. Roberto, we have used up all of our time. you got things you got to do. i got to get busy myself here. I sure appreciate you uh, coming on and giving us an update and, and reminding people that, that people are people and you take care of them all. It's just a great thing. Again, the website, cclse.org, either looking for help or wanting to help. You can just go there and that's your first step. Thank you so much, Jack. You take God care and, and stay warm. <laughs> Lent is coming sooner than we think. Maybe three weeks or so, we are going to start talking more about Lenten issues. It's a wonderful time. It is not just some time to give up something. It's also frequently a time to adopt something, to come up with something new. And I must seriously recommend that you go to the Diocese of La Crosse website, D-I-O-L-C dot org, where you will find a treasure trove of Lenten inspiration coming up very, very shortly. Next week, we'll be talking with uh, Chris Ruff about a number of topics, including something called Eucharistic Revival, which there is now information about on the diocesan website, a, a basically a, a long-term program to express more understanding of what the Eucharist really is all about. And if you register through your parish, there are a number of free courses, pre-recorded courses, not live ones, from Franciscan University at Steubenville. A whole bunch of formation on a whole bunch of different topics by some really good speakers. So all these things are at the Diocese of La Crosse website. A way for you to get more involved in the 40 Days of Lent and also do it at no charge because everything there is free. In addition to that, of course, this show is archived on the website as well, so you can go back and listen to previous shows, or perhaps you have missed one and you want to catch up on it. All these things are there. Also, very important, there is the prayer requests. You can put these in anonymously, and I will absolutely guarantee you they will be seen and they will be prayed over. Our own Bishop Callahan has a variety of recorded messages up there, and there is also a calendar of events from around the diocese, ranging from everything from fish fries to Eucharistic adoration. So if you haven't checked the diocesan website recently, please do check it out, and it does change often. More or more things are being added. Again, D-I-O-L-C dot org the official website of the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin. Jack Sosha here with you on Connecting the Diocese last minute or so of the show. By the way, the correct answer for that question about what was the most powerful force on Earth was gravity. But I kind of like the difference between giving the scientific answer and giving the human answer, love. Just a reminder again that our shows are archived at our website, diolc.org slash connecting. That'll take you directly to it. And you could always drop us a note at connecting 
at diolc.org. We always love to get your questions, your comments, your inspirations, things to get us to think a little bit as well. diolc.org to go to the show to hear it again and connecting at diolc.org. I hope that wherever you are, you have a burst of sunshine coming out of the clouds as we do at this moment. It is so nice to see some sunshine and to find the idea that, gee, 10 degree weather, boy, that sure feels warm and good. And pretty soon warm enough for me to go back into the garage to continue taking apart our very much wanting to get rid of stove. But the good news is I now have a collection of more Phillips head screws than I've ever owned in my entire life. We'll see you next week on Connecting the Diocese.